Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. All right, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, not Steve, Dave, and special guests that we will introduce in just a moment. But let's start, Mike. How you doing? Um, pretty good. I had a good day at work today. Uh, got to go in early, which means I got out early. Which means we get to record uh, right now directly after getting home. I um, I gotta say uh, it, it was a very very long weekend. Lots of late nights. I had I had uh, my Dukies playing basketball. Um, still still uh, dancing in the tournament, if you will. Um, so there's lots of college basketball on this weekend. There was uh, U.S. men's national team uh, to watch, uh, and what an exciting weekend for them. Um, so I'm a little tired, 6.30, uh, well, really 4.45 this morning uh, came a little early for me. But uh, here we are, uh, 3.40 p.m., where we are now, uh, which is a little early recording for us, but there's a reason for that. There is, you go that is it, because where we have a special guest from, it is, uh, I believe, 8.40, or what is that? Is that 20.40 in uh, in the 24-hour time? Does that sound about right, Adam, who is our excellent friend from the extra inch discord and uh, all things that world adam welcome to the pod how you doing hi thanks for having me on uh, you're right about the time yes 20 to 9 is what we would say perfect 20 to 9 now we know see we're learning english mike here we go all right and and, and the reason this this is our this is our second annual uh baseball preview pod and so one thing that we found out about our friend adam is um even as a person who lives across the pond from us, he has a, a fondness for a uniquely American pastime. So, uh, Adam, would you tell us a little bit about um, why you even know anything about baseball and um, who it is that you follow and, and what the story is behind that? Yeah, and you must stop me if I ramble because it's a uh, I have a proclivity for it. So, yeah, I got found baseball through being gifted a... I, well, at the time, defunct games console, the Sega, what was it called? Sega Saturn. And uh, I got gifted an armful of games and I worked through them because I was about 14 or 15 at the time. Never had a games console before. Worked through all the nonsense, the John Madden, whatever that is, the rally <laughs> championships, whatever, whatever that is, driving one at a time. Um, and eventually got to World Series Baseball, which was... Uh, impossibly complicated, it seemed to me at the time. And something drew me in. Maybe it was the difficulty, just not understanding the sport, being a sports fan, but never having encountered baseball, wanted to know what was going on. Uh, so I persevered with it, and I found uh, one team was had good enough stats where I could actually connect with the ball every now and then. And that was, um, at the time, the Cleveland Indians, now Guardians. Uh, so I stuck with them playing the game because they had a good lineup in the mid nineties, I'm told. Uh, so that's how I came to baseball. Not long after the UK got a, a new channel and believe it or not, the end of the nineties, we got our fifth TV station, uh, imaginatively titled channel five, which picked up some cheap American, um, cheap rights to American sports because they weren't essentially popular over here. And one of those twice 
a week was a live broadcast of a um, MLB game. And so I, I kind of understood some of the rules from the game that I'd played. And then uh, they had some sort of British audience friendly studio pundits who explained the rest of the basics. And I was hooked from there and didn't have anybody else, else to support but Cleveland. So here I am, however many years later, 20 something. Wow. That is a fantastic story. Uh, can I ask you, what is it like following now? Do you do you stream anything? Do you stream an MLB package? Do you just follow through, you know, information online? What's that look like for you? Pre the birth of my two young children, I was I would have streamed a fair bit through MLB TV, which is uh, very reasonable here. No blackouts if you're in the UK, which is great. So you can watch any game anytime, um, archive or live. So I used to do that a fair bit. Um, that was so maybe 10 years I was doing that, maybe longer. Now, since since the babies, I catch it when I can, um, but keep up to date on the scores daily, who's doing what uh, via your smartphone kind of thing, you know. Good. All right. I'm excited to get into this and talk about the season. Adam, just so you know, uh, Mike and I like to talk about our team. So we want to give you a chance to talk, talk about your team, what we're looking forward to, what we're worried about etc. It's worth the listeners knowing. Um, and if you're not a fan of baseball, you wouldn't necessarily understand this, but baseball is divided into two separate leagues. And within those leagues, there are divisions and Adam's team, the Cleveland now guardians, and my team, the Chicago White Sox are in the same division. So they have a, a, a pretty um, localized and immediate rivalry play each other often throughout the course of a season. So Adam and I might get a little feisty towards each other while we share disdain towards Mike and his Red Sox, but you know, we'll just see how that goes overall. Um, Mike, let's get started with you looking ahead, man. What do you think about your, uh, your bow socks this season? Um, you know, uh, throughout, um, the off season, um, you know, as, as baseball fans, we get, especially like in myself, I'm, I'm, uh, baseball is my, uh, my, my favorite sport. Um, I do, I do love the premier league. Uh, it, it's, it's becoming my, my, one of my favorite sports. Um, but it, it, I, baseball is my sport. Um, I, I, I like the complexity of it. I like kind of the, um, the nervous energy you get with every single pitch, not knowing, you know, what, what's going to happen. It's in, it, so, um, you work yourself. I work myself up into a frenzy getting ready for like, it's the, the, the beginning of baseball season is the end of winter here. So it's always exciting. Um, the Red Sox, uh, Boston, they have what they call truck day. Um, truck day is the day where they load up all of the equipment, all of, uh, all of the stuff they need for, um, for spring training games and head on down to Florida. They load up, you know, multiple, multiple uh, 18 wheeler tractor trailers, if you will, uh, full of just equipment and stuff. And they drive out of Boston down to Florida to their, to their spring training home. And uh, it's always an event. So that, that kind of gets me going this year kind of sucked because we had truck day, but we didn't have, baseball players so <laughs> that said um now that we have that back uh we can get into that discussion later um uh 
because I have some some choice thoughts about that. Um, similar to what we experienced with Super League type stuff, but um, I really, really, really expect Boston to build on what they had last year, um, with one exception. Their power hitting probably um, might not be what we what we expected from last year. However, um, with Hunter Renfro gone. Uh, I'm hoping that Trevor Story, our, our new uh, our new signing, our new big signing, um, possible shortstop of the future, um, second baseman for right now. Um, I think he's going to pick up some of the slack on that. Um, I think that the the reacquisition of Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be a huge deal for Boston, um, just in terms of uh, defensive production. Um, I think that you know Boston being the low in the lower third defensive production uh, this past season, um, they needed something. Um, I think Trevor Story brings a lot. Um, Jackie Bradley's gonna come back and play right field. It looks like uh, Kike Hernandez, who appeared uh, kind of out of nowhere last year at the end of the season, um, playing in center field. He's a natural second baseman. Um, and, you know, the cast of characters that we have, it looks like J.D. Martinez, you know, might want to finish his season, his uh, his career out in Boston now. So he has an opt-out clause next year. Xander Bogarts has an opt-out clause. A lot of our big players, um, what I'm really nervous about with the Red Sox is our pitching staff. And it's kind of always been that way. Um, you know, post the, post the uh, Kurt Schilling, Pedro Martinez era, um, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, we have some old pitchers, um, that were good, um, at the back end right now. So we got Michael Waco that we just brought in. Um, he's been in a couple of places. Uh, he was very, very, uh, successful in C in St. Louis. Um, when he was coming up, went to, uh, I believe Tampa Bay, uh, he was slightly successful. He's been injured. He's a little bit older now. Um, he's kind of one of those, um, you know, low, you know, low purchase rate guys, a uh, high reward. So um, I, I think if the pitching staff is going to hinge on how Chris sale comes back from his um, off season rib injury um, and how he progresses throughout the season um, because he's going to need to be not just effective. He's going to have to be, uh, he's going to have to have a little staying power, make sure he doesn't get injured again. Um, but top end of our rotation, um, I'm liking, uh, Nathan Navaldi, um, straight off, straight off the top, um, the guy, the guy's a gamer. He goes out there, you know, he's a, he's a goofball off the, off the field when he's not pitching, but when it comes to pitching, he's all business. I love that about him. And I expect the Red Sox to win another 85, 90 games this year. There's no reason they can't. Um, my boy 99 is going to be, is going to be, um, he's going to tell the tale. Uh, Alex Verdugo, um, he plays the wall in the field very well. Um, he's great personality. I love him. I just love him. Christian Vasquez uh, behind the plate calls an amazing game not quite as good as uh our boy uh jason veritek used to but um i love christian vasquez and he's got he's got a pretty hot bat for 
for uh, for a catcher in the number eight position. But I'm, I'm looking forward to a good season uh, in Boston this year. Um, it's a tough, tough division. Tough division. Like you're talking about some of these guys, the way you talk about Sergio Regulon, man. Like you, you love him. I love Reggie. I just love him. I just love him. I do. We know. We know you do. Hey, Mike. What? What? What makes the Red Sox season fall apart? Like, what's the? Uh, geez, you know where it's September and it just ended up the worst case scenario that you can imagine. What would that be? Uh, I think injuries. Um, injuries. Uh, Boston has to stay healthy. Um, years where they stay healthy, they make deep runs in the playoffs. They win World Series. Uh, 2004. Uh, was a prime example of that. Um, Nomar had been battling injuries his entire, you know, career after his, well, from about, from a, let's, let's just say from about 2000 to 2004, he was battling a lot of injuries. Um, they, the Red Sox saw that, got rid of him, you know, traded, traded Nomar, you know, it was a sin at the time we won the world series. Um, but the rest of the team was healthy. And if you look all of those world championship teams, the main thing was that they stayed healthy throughout the season. Last year was a little bit of an anomaly because they got hit with the COVID with the COVID bug um, in August, you know, end of July and August. And that really, really killed them. Luckily, they have they have been building a farm system for years uh, through the Dombrowski and uh, Ben Charrington years. Um, and and uh, now at the high and bloom years, um, he's a low, low, low risk, high reward type of guy. Anyway. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't spend a lot of money, but he finds guys that fit his system, fit the, the system that, that Alex Cora likes to play. So he listens to his managers as a, as a GM, he listens to his managers and his coaches and, and brings in the guys that they need and, and gets them generally at a discount. Trevor story is a different situation, but we can get into that later with a, you know, named acquisitions for our clubs we'll get into that story later right so it, yeah it's it's health it really is health that's the answer all right i think you're right you're absolutely right adam you've seen the template you've seen our boy mike kind of lay it out first you want to be critical of anything he said i'll totally support you on any critique but i also <laughs> want to um give, want to give you a chance to uh to talk about your boys a little bit as well no, it was all fine until he started talking about the Red Sox, and then after that, he got a little. Uh, I don't right, know, I kind of switched off. Eyes kind of, eyes kind of glossed over. <laughs> you started, start looking at your agenda for tomorrow just to see what's what's on tap. Yeah, no, totally no, no, nothing critical. I, I don't, uh, I don't profess to any deep knowledge. So, so learn a lot of things about the Red Sox there. Um, yeah, I, I tend to kind of follow guardians what's going on there if i can and learn from friends from discourse from discord what's going on uh at other, how, at difficult other is it, how difficult is it to uh to make the the name change um from from indians to guardians you have to be really conscious about that or is it natural yet i think it's it's pretty natural now i had to consciously not say guardians uh, earlier on um, so yeah, I think, I think it's been in the pipe long enough now for me to, uh, for it to be automatic, I guess. Yeah. I, I kind of support it. I, I was going to ask you guys about, about how that went down sort of stateside, if, if that's, if that's the right term, um, in the States, um, 
how big of a deal that was. I can say it was rather smooth in Cleveland. If you know any any locals there, or if it's uh, if it's not not such a big deal locally either, because to me it was kind of I can see the I can see the thinking and I kind of like it so. No problem for um, me. Yeah, it's a good question. I'll take a shot first and then Mike, I'll, I'll defer to you. Um, <clears throat> to me, the whole thing about name changes due to mascots being either racist, inappropriate, or both, which, you know, that let's be honest, that's what happens. It, it These decisions have been made for a really long time. And so what's most interesting is in our political context now, why some are a bigger deal than others. So examples I would give you. Um, the area where I grew up and in the the uh, community where I used to work, um, a few of the schools had mascot names that were indigenous related. Um, and what I found was the decisions about those were largely based on how the mascot was represented, but also sometimes based on on just local decisions and politics. So I can think of one one school in particular where the mascot was the Warriors. Um, the mascot was a, you know, an Indian chief, Native American chief type of type of person and uh, very respectfully portrayed. And that that mascot has has withstood the test of time. Uh, neighboring community high school mascot was the Redskins, which is a name that, you know, Mike is very familiar with. But it was 20 years ago that that school district changed, changed the name from the Redskins to the Red hawks i believe is is what they went with and so you saw this era um of where uh, mascots would change for me personally when i was in college uh slash university um the school that i went to the mascot was the braves and the uh the tangible mascot was a native american guy in a headdress etc and that actually changed when i first arrived at the school they didn't change the name but they changed the actual mascot, went through a few iterations, and now it's a gargoyle. Even though they're still the Braves, their uh, mascot is a, a gargoyle guy based on some of the buildings that are that are on the campus. So it's been amusing to me. Amusing is probably the totally wrong based word. On the car- based but on to the watch from the, 80s. the debate in 2020, 2021, 2022, like what do you do with the Cleveland Indians, the Washington Redskins, like people making a big deal out of, of shifts that society has been making for decades up to this point in time. And uh, it's just really curious to see how that's played mike what's your take on all that um being being a fan of uh the washington football team um if for me um at first i supported the name um you know i'm not gonna lie um i i profess to be a, a leftist uh, uh socially conscious uh woke individual um and and i know woke is a swear word these days but um you know, I, I supported the name um, based on uh, the few uh, people of, of Native American uh, heritage that I knew. Um, and they didn't seem to care, you know, and the name and my thought was that the name was initially like it, it's not like the owners of the club went out in the 19 in the 19 late 1920s and 30s and said, oh, I'm going to get those. I'm going to get those Indians, you know, you know, they weren't trying to be racist by naming their club a, a, a name that it was just the sign of the times the redskins uh logo uh you know that's the guy looked like that he did the guy in real life who the logo was he looked like that who within the logo was uh you know made after he looked like that 
um his skin tone was that now that now that you know it's not wokeism it, it's it's appropriateness it's about it's about um you know um making sure that we're out there supporting our clubs but we're not supporting our clubs if if a, a good section of the uh of the fan base uh in the sport in the club is is offended by the name um and it you know over time i said you know i thought it's probably time this is you know if if 10 people find it offensive you got to you you have to get rid of it um, and, and it happened just like Dave said in my hometown, my crosstown rival for, in my high school uh, was the Rutland Red Raiders. And they've been having that discussion currently. And they left and then came, they left for a year and came back to it. It's a mess. It's an absolute train wreck of a mess. It yeah. is a train wreck of a mess. And um, the Red Raiders was a, um, was a Native American uh, with the Native American imagery. So I mean, the, the same type of thing happens, uh, you know, uh, Chief Wahoo with the Indians, um, you know, on the hat back in the day, cool logo and everything, but it's inappropriate and we know it um, over here. It didn't seem that it didn't seem that the uh, the Guardians name change wasn't a big deal. It, it really wasn't. I think the Washington Redskins was a bigger deal. Um, so I think that with the guardians um it happened so quickly and so seamlessly they were right on top of it i think that they had been planning on it for a few years but it was so seamless that you know a few i've heard a few people make fun of it i think it's a cool name man yeah you know? they had done a good job of they had pulled back on some of the logo usage right they did that for a few years it seems yeah. to me adam can you confirm this but like the even the script and the font on the the imagery um, all stayed largely the same, you know, no color changes, right? Like everything was pretty mm -hmm. seamless in terms of the shift. Would you agree with that? I, I would say so. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right. It was, it was the, the caricature nature of the, the graphic logo that was the, seemed to be the, the, the sticking point and yeah, good. They did it. They pulled it a few years ago. Um, Maybe they could have done it sooner, but they did done it now. So it's it's done, which is good. And then they took some consultation on the name and did that as well. Good. It's a game. It's, you know, like you said, I, I totally agree with you. Ten people are unhappy with it. Change it. It's, just, it's sport. It's fun. It's easy for me to say, you know, and I'm, and I'm an English guy talk, talking about another country's passion, you know, but I'd say but the same know, about they, football, you know, uh, yeah, you know well, soccer here. You just made that connection. So um, here we are having this conversation saying if there are 10 people who are offended by it, change it. And I'm not trying to go here, but we could talk about the use of a certain word in, in Spurs ground and in Spursdom um, that elicits the same type of in, intense feedback. Um, and that's not always received the same way. Like, well, if 10 people are offended, you know, we should change it. So again, not trying to go there, but just, yeah. just a thought that crosses the mind. It's yeah. It's an interesting point. There's, it, that's a nuanced debate um one i don't really want to weigh in on so yeah i'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. Leave, I'll leave that but then, I, then let's let's talk about the guardians what uh yeah. what do you see about the year ahead that has you excited worried in between what are you thinking well the same as last year is, is what i think which is we have some pieces uh we have mostly uncertainty around the lineup um 
I, th I think if everything falls into place, we get a bit of luck, a bit of good fortune, a lot of health. The stars align. We could be kind of competitive. I don't think we'll be expecting to win the division. Um, anything, you know, being competitive would make it interesting. I don't think we can expect more than that. I think when, you, when you're this close to the start of the season and you've only kind of got maybe four guys locked in of your, of your nine or of your eight. I mean, the, the rotation's kind of locked. Um, once April's out the way, I think once we go into five-man rotation, it, it, it's it's going to be set if everybody's healthy. The rest of it is kind of up for grabs. You know, we've got Jose Ramirez, obviously locked in. Centre field, Miles Straw is going to be starting there. Austin Hedges behind the plate, not, you know, a bit of a weakness offensively, in my opinion. Um, but that's our catcher. So <laughs> he'll be he'll be starting. The other positions in, in my mind are, are not locked in at all. You know, um Rosario's gonna be gonna be starting, but whether that's outfield, I think he's starting left field today in the spring training game. So I think that's the first time that's happened. Uh, or he's not done it for many games. He's been playing it short. So there's a lot of pieces still to fall into place. So kind of where we were last year. Who knows? They've, they've cut back the salary, they're talking up, bringing in some, you know, spending a bit of that cash that we've cut back on and we've not really brought anyone in. Brian Shaw's back, but, you know, good, good to have experience in such a young club. You know, I think it's one of the youngest or the youngest roster. Um, so, yeah, I don't, it's kind of exciting to, to have that uncertainty, to be honest, um, to have that kind of young fresh team we've got some names that could come in and catch fire and, and make it exciting but I don't think we'll be winning a whole heap but if we can win 80 games plus that's an improvement on last year so uh, that's that's what I think I think if if pitching stays healthy and in form we we will be interesting to watch we'll have some close games like last year but um, I just like watching baseball so even if we're not that great and I get to watch some games, I'll be happy. Why do you like watching baseball? And what is it? It is like no other sport in, that I've ever seen. Um, the hmm. first thing that, that I love about baseball really is the visuals of it, the, the dimensions of the field, the white chalk lines on the green with the dirt in field. It's just there's something about it. I don't know what it is. The way that every ballpark slightly different um, adds a character. There's something about the pace, the the kind of indeterminate length that I like about it. it it's kind of the opposite of, of soccer, you know. It's and I, and I love that. I love all the ins and outs, the complexity. You know, I'm not I don't have the deepest knowledge of of all the draft rules, all the salary caps, the tax, all of that side of things, but the actual purity of the sport is, is what I like the, the kind of simplicity it's a one-on-one -on -one game and it's also a team game it's the best of both worlds so I'll stop rambling yeah, that's well that's well put Mike same question to you what why do you love baseball um so I think I kind of I, I I talked about it earlier it, it it 
and uh, Adam actually really hit the nail on the head is the complexity of the game, right? Um, but it's it's uh, the other thing that he mentioned, which which always grabbed me as a kid, was that no matter where you are, it's very geometrical, right? The dimensions are the same. You know, once once you get up past past uh, youth level baseball, um, you get the dimensions are all the same. You know, the base paths are all ninety feet, right, and sixty feet six inches to the to the mound, right. I mean, everything is the same. The only thing that changes are the stadiums and and, and pro baseball and minor league baseball. Um, it's and for me, you know, what, what really caught me as a kid um, was even though the Red Sox at the time they used to say uh, uh, 40 men, 40 cabs. So it 40 guys would come to the park and they'd leave and it, separately in 40 cabs. But it looked like when I was a kid, it looked like um, when you go to the park, it was the camaraderie of the guys, right? So, um, they all look like they're having fun out there playing a kid's game. Um, I see that. I see that in Spurs a lot too. Um, especially now it's kind of in, in guys like, you know, Sonny and with the big smile and, and uh, you know, and then you have, you know, workers like Hoyberg, you know, who go out there and, and, and put in the work that the dirty work that nobody else wants to do. Um, you know, I saw that in, in a lot of players, um, uh, in the Red Sox when I was when I was a kid, there were a lot of guys who, um, like Dwight Evans was a guy uh, who who never got the plaudits when I was a kid, but he had a cannon for an arm in right field. You know he he did the dirty work that nobody else could do out there in right field because what in Fenway Park when you play in right field, you're very very close to the fans. Fenway Park is an anomaly in baseball now because the way that it's built, it was built and opened in 1912. It opened. Um, and it actually opened on the day that the Titanic sunk. Um, yeah. So, um, when it opened, um, the fans, there was actually a section where the fan that was roped off because there were a group of Boston fans called the, the Royal rooters. And they were like, they were like, a. uh, <laughs> Like, how can I liken this to like a Spurs supporters club, a large Spurs supporters club? So like the Boston, like Boston Spurs. And they would come to the field and they would stand and they had to be roped off because they could, they, their seats were in the World Series that uh, in 1919, in 1918, um, they came in and their seats were sold. So they stood on the field and it was like that. There was like, so fans were on the field. Uh, baseball's not like that now, but the, the park is built in such a way that, um, it still has its same bones, um, even though it's been updated and everything through the years. And it's very fan friendly. Now, when I was a kid, it wasn't very fan friendly, but um, so everything about baseball is the, the, the geometry, um, the pace of the game, um, calculations of the players. Um, the only thing that I hate is the fucking shift. <laughs> I hate the shift. It's taken away from the purity of the game. I've got good They're doing away with it, aren't they? <laughs> They're doing away Next with it. Year, yeah. with I, bl I blame Tampa. I blame the Tampa Bay Rays. And I, and I hate know, the Rays. I hate the Rays too. By the way, you know, Adam and Mike. You, oh, go ahead, Adam. Go. 
I was going to ask you, we can do it later though, um, or not at all. It's your podcast. Look at me taking over. Um, the... <laughs> Look at this guy, huh? <laughs> Go ahead. Just waltzing well, in. We'll have um, him on again. <laughs> the uh, shift, where do you stand on it? Do you think it should be left and, and you know, hitters will figure it out? Teams figure it out? Be innovative or, or do you agree, get rid of it through rule change? Can I go first, Mike? Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I have no problem with the shift. I have absolutely <laughs> zero problem with the shift. I mean, here's, here's the thing from my perspective. It is a defensive strategy. Teams employ defensive strategies in every sport. I mean, we could talk about a, a low block and park the bus the same way we talk about a shift. We might not like it, but it's an approach to keep yourself from losing a game. And, and I would suggest that the offensive side um, should make an effort to counter that, right? Like we, I'd like to think that a professional hitter, a professional hitter has the ability to say, I normally pull the ball into right field because I'm a lefty, but I'm going to pop this over to left because they are leaving me wide open. And if, if a hitter can't do that, I have no problem with them paying the price for it. That's my opinion. My opinion on it is, um, is that while there are things that we do to progress the game and to change the game, um, and make it easier to win. Uh, it, those things aren't necessarily good for the game. Uh, I.e. Uh, Jose Mourinho ball. He, uh, he won games with his tactics. Uh, you know, he won championships with his tactics. He won trophies with his tactics. It's boring as fuck to watch and it hurts. And it hurts the game. In my opinion, um, the same way that I feel the shift hurts baseball. Um, so uh, I, I don't I think there are good changes. There are bad changes. I think the, there's a, we're going to see a good change this year. They're finally uh, instituting um, universal DH. Um, I think it's going to, it's going to hurt the national league for the first couple of years, because a lot of those managers that have been there for years um, in the national league, don't know how to use the DH properly. Um, I think you saw a, a reaction to that, uh, just recently with the re-signing of Albert Pujols um, in St. Louis um, because they weren't sure who they were going to have hitting DH there. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't like the shift. The thing is that the shift was built to combat David Ortiz, in my opinion. Um, Got to be about the Red Sox. It was. <laughs> It really, it really is like the guy, the, the, it, you know, and it, and it wasn't, you know, David Ortiz, David Ortiz um, suffered because of that for a few years. And then he learned to hit around it. I mean, you, you saw, you saw him um, in the ALCS in, uh, you know, in 2013 and he just, I think, what did he bat 780 or something ridiculous like that? I mean, it was stupid. It was stupid what he was doing. And, and, you know, he, he learned to hit around it, but because, because he's a phenomenal hitter and he's, he's a hall, he's obviously a hall of famer. Um, he's probably the best DH to ever play the game. Sorry, Edgar Martinez, but um, you know, not every player is going to, going to be able to combat that. And, and I think it, and I think it weakens, it weakens the, um, the pool of hitters. It just it it puts more water into the pool. 
It, it really does. And I think it waters down the game and it makes the game boring to watch. It makes it a little quicker, but it makes it boring to watch. Some some big like, guy's going to hit into the shift every time instead of hitting singles. Wade Boggs would have been true, killed true. by the, by it. True. Very true. Mike, I'm going to give you the uh, the two-minute warning that we're coming for. Uh, hey, Mike, so just so you're ready. And while you're getting ready for that, um, Mike's got an entire mug of beer to finish while I give my quick quick assessment. I just wanted to respond to like the question of what what do you love about baseball? I just just say what it is that I love. And it, it's a number of things that are about the way it feels. And here's what I mean. Um, I know this is the case kind of when you walk into any outdoor sporting venue, you know, just the the view of the green of the grass and the contrast of the colors and the the sound of the music and the the bustle of the crowd, right? Like that, that all my earliest memories of that type of thing are in a baseball stadium. Uh, it's from going to White Sox games at the old Comiskey Park. Like those are my, just my earliest sporting memories. And so that's, that's baked into my mind. Um, another thing I love about baseball is it's the one sport where I would describe the pace as leisurely, right? Like it's just a language and I'm, I'm not suggesting at all that the athletes are, are slow or lazy, but I'm saying that the pace of the game is slow and that's enjoyable. It's one of the few sports where you can sit and have a, an in-depth conversation and be paying zero attention to what's going on on the field. But the funny thing is there are little cues, right? Like you hear the crack of a bat on the ball and you know to be drawn to the action. And if you know enough about the, the game, you can watch how players are moving and you can figure out what's happening immediately and be drawn right back into the game. You know, when I, when I think about watching Spurs on, on television, I haven't had the, the blessing of going to a, a live Spurs match, but you know, I can't get up to go to the restroom. I can't get up to go get another beer or make some food because you just don't know what's going to happen. And you don't want to be not watching when when you come back and your friends are blowing up on the WhatsApp because somebody scored a beautiful goal that you had to go take a leak during the course of it. Yeah, right? every, two se- every two seconds it's like <gasps> right, exactly. Baseball, on the other hand, you know, you've got you've got these breaks, you've got to change a pitcher, change of inning, you know, like you just can go do things and engage in in things. And it's one of those sports also that I think encompasses like just the length of the season, 162 games that spans from, you know, early April to at, at best early November, it's a seven month season with that many games nearly every day. So nothing ever is, even though it's intense, nothing ever is like manic or panicked in the moment, right? Like you, you might see somebody angry about a call. You might see a manager arguing and getting kicked out of a, out of a game, but, but ultimately a guy takes a a bad strike. They didn't like, or they get, you know, something happens and they just brush it off because guess what? They're going to be a million more at bats. They're going to be a million more plays in the field. And, and I love kind of that pace. I think it's actually a good example for like living life, like just chill out because you're going to do this again tomorrow. You know, it's all coming back again. So it's, it's that, kind of vibe that um that really is something i enjoy it's also one of the few sports i'll be to be honest with you i can have a game on tv and it's just slow enough i might fall asleep and take a nap and that's okay right i'd never do that during a spurs match i wouldn't do that during a, a chicago bulls game or watching the bears right but, but not in the fucking playoffs though not in the playoffs you don't do that well and, and that's the other thing right the 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 other beauty of baseball is the way the playoffs are constructed and as long as they are and the escalation through the, the month of September to get there, like the intensity builds. And so the season really ends with this really intense 
angst-filled type of experience where you truly are on the edge of your seat with every every pitch that's thrown and every ball that's touched by a bat. Um, and yeah, I love how the intensity does ratchet up over the course of the season as well. So that's my take. Good with you guys? Absolutely. Me. Absolutely. Sweet. Let's go to something else good. Um, Adam, there's a question we like to ask Mike, and I'm going to let you ask the question as our special guest. So over to you. Hey, Mike, what you drinking? Well, Adam. Um, he loves it when you do that. <laughs> um, today, uh, I, I, this weekend, I visited our friends at a weird window again. Um, just because just because of the fact that they were so welcoming um, and and they were so nice and uh, they listened to me ramble about my podcast um, uh, the last time I was there. And uh, so I, I, I was there uh, a few weeks ago, had some, had some drinks and um, took home some beers. We did a, we did a review. Um, I'm going to go back to it. Um, my son's teacher is friends with the owner. Um, and I think I mentioned him last week on the pod. Um, so I actually, uh, was down there this weekend. We had some stuff to do at home Depot and the, the sort. And, uh, and, uh, I said, let's stop down there. And they, they had a, they got a new beer, another new beer, um, that I haven't had there. Uh, it, and it's a brown ale. Um, I haven't done a brown ale here yet. I love brown ales. Like Newcastle brown ale was the first brown ale I ever had. And, uh, I just there's there's something about a brown ale that just you know it's not that stout it's not that porter um i just love that malt forwardness that it, but it doesn't like try and like it doesn't try and shove malt down your fucking throat um and i think the name is appropriate for this time of year um being that's the ncaa tournament um and Adam, I don't know if you know this. They call they call the uh, the NCA tournament. They call it March Madness, but they also call it the Big Dance. Um, so when teams make the tournament, they call it they call it going dancing. This one's called uh, We've Been Dancing. Um, since uh, I, I'm a big fan of Duke University uh, basketball, um, I'm going to dedicate this beer to them. Uh, this team has been one of the most fun team Duke teams that I've had to watch recent in recent years, mostly because they're not completely filled with one and done players, which means, you know, uh, the kids who come in because they have to do their one year in college before they can go to the pros. Um, they have a couple, um, Paolo Banchero is one of those guys. He's going to be a special, special player. He's not a Zion Williamson. He's actually, I think he's actually more, more gifted uh, athletically. Um, but I'm going to dedicate this beer to my, my Duke Blue Devils as they go to take on uh, North Carolina, our hated rivals. Adam, do you follow college basketball at all? No. So what, <laughs> Mike's not what Mike is not telling you is that the Duke University is kind of like the Man United of college basketball. So I just want to give you the context um, for his fandom and support for the uh, <laughs> Right, right, Mike? No, they're fucking not. <laughs> They're a very, they're actually a very small private school. Um, they're in North Carolina. They're, uh, they're hated because they win all the time. Mike Krzyzewski is the greatest coach in college basketball history. Sorry, John Wooden. It just, it just, it just is. 
Um, he's got more wins. Uh, he's he's been there longer. Um, he hasn't won as many championships, but you know, sorry that NCAA NCAA basketball wasn't watered down for Mike Krzyzewski. Um, so I'm going to pop into this. We're going to do this brown ale. I'm very excited about I, I, this. I was right at him with what he just described. I totally nailed that, didn't I? It sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds like he denied yeah. it and then confirmed it immediately. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. But anyway, back to Mike and his beer review. Go ahead, buddy. I'm, I'm going to put this in my Red Sox pint pint glass. Uh, this is a pint glass beer. Um, brown ales are pint glass beers. And and uh, Adam's going to probably grill me about this because uh, it's not an actual pint, correct? Oh, that's right. We get to do the, the pint 16, debate, don't we? It's a 16-ounce pint. Oh, wow. Okay. This smells really good. Uh, you know, this is a 6% beer. Um, it smells really good. It's malty. Um, it's dark. It's a little bit darker than a red. It falls between like a porter and a red. And uh, can, it, I, can it, I see the can again really quickly? Yeah. It, 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 weird window. Um, they always have that little, the little uh, witch window there. And we've been dancing. It's D uh, C I N G at the end, right? Yeah. Got it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, wonderful, wonderful folks there. Always like super, super happy, super uh, energetic. Uh, excited to see anyone who comes in the building. And uh, I, I love that about uh, about a brewery and a, and a brewery's owners uh, and the people that work there. Um, I'm going to continue to go back there just because I still can't beat my son in connect four. So, and that's where we play. We have our connect four battles and yeah, he beat me. Uh, he beat me six games to four. So um, go Duke. Holy Moses. That's good. So this beer, um, it's very, very, like I said, very dark. Uh, it, it tastes like burnt chocolate almost. Uh, perfect brown ale. Um, you know, I, it, brown ales are brown ales are very hard because because they they people who love like big, big, big beers, um, imperial IPAs, and like most of the imperial beers. People like high alcohol beers. Uh, brown ales aren't typically high alcohol. This one comes in at 6%. Um, I think this could compete with basically any brown ale. I mean, they're not super hard to make, but um, they're hard to get perfect. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've made I made a couple of brown ales and and they're they're super easy to make. I made a red ale too. Um, I made an Irish red, but like I, I don't know a brown a, a brown ale feels like beer to me. Um, I'm gonna go. Adam, do you have do you, do you know what I what I'm thinking? I I don't, I don't know uh, if you have something written down. I, I message Dave. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I'm gonna do three point nine on this. Oh, I went way over. Way over. Way over. Oh. I mean, it's worry, it's I perfect know. brown ale. It's close to a perfect brown ale. Um, 
I have to do a 3.9. I can't give it, I can't give it a four. Uh, four and over are, um, they're left for the heady toppers of the world. Um, the, uh, I, I, per, you know what? A perfect, a perfect stout in my, in my mind is a Guinness. Always, always a perfect stout. Um, that's the bar, the bar you measure against essentially. What's that? I said, that's the bar you measure against. Well, no, no, no. Right? It's like so you, with a brown, you have, with you have a, a brown, brown ale. ale. Uh, I, I, I can tell you that long trail used to make a brown ale that I did not like. Um, there are a number of brown ales, like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm measuring this against the Newcastle brown ale, which I also think is almost a perfect brown ale. Um, Got it. Newcastle brown ale from when I was younger, not this, not the shit that they put out today. Newcastle brown ale used to come in a, in a 22 ounce bottle, clear bottle. And it told you exactly what it was on the bottle. Um, and now that uh, Newcastle, I think Newcastle got bought out by AB. I'm, I could be wrong. I, I hope somebody calls me out on this, but um, Newcastle Brown Ale was one of my favorite beers. That was outside of my, you know, Miller Lite, Budweiser, whatever, when I was younger. It just, it just, the sweetness, everything about the beer is awesome. Same reason like Heineken was one of my favorite beers because you'd be like, ooh, we're drinking imported tonight, fellas. It's and, a, uh, you, it's just premium have, on it. <laughs> exactly right. Anyway, um, Mike, you did rate something like a 4.11 a few weeks ago. Remember you got all cocky because you were giving us the 411 about it. And what was that one that you went 411? That was a weird window, I think. Was it a weird window? All right. Yeah. It was was it the ho- the hoppy wife. That might be right. Hey, you're consistent. Life. So we'll take it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Tell me, Very Mike, good. if I'm allowed to ask questions in this segment. The, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> the, uh, I think the first message we ever had uh, on our beer chat was about Sam Smith's Not Brown Ale, if oh, I Sam remember correctly. Smith. How does it oh. rate against that? Because that's a beer I know. Sam Smith's. Oh, my gosh. So I'm a big fish fan. Um, used to go on tour a lot. Samuel Smith's was one of those. So there was Samuel Smith's Not Brown, and then there's Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout, were the two beers that you would find on tour a lot. I used to, um, I used to go to shows and um, would bring cases of Long Trail Blackberry wheat, um, and it was the same type of thing. So I was like, you bring Long as as like Hetty Topper was, um, but you would trade you would trade a six pack of Long Trail Blackberry wheat for two bottles of Samuel Smith's. I forgot about Samuel Smith's not brown ale. That that beer is a perfect brown ale. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I feel like a brown ale is like, uh, it's a unique, it feels like a uniquely English beer to me. Um, and I love that there's such a contrast in European beers, like between an English ale and a, like a German beer pilsner a beer so ales and beers you know and uh, i think we had a discussion recently about cask ales uh, i've never had a true cask ale and uh i'm looking forward to someday having a true cask ale but we just don't get them in the united states um, we, we, we might get cask ales that are bottle conditioned but there's i don't know there's something that turns me off about um drinking beer directly out of secondary ferment <laughs> that yeah, might be probably- that might actually be warm 
probably the, the word ferment yeah it yeah, kind of it's yeah. kind of off point so i i get that but it's one of those things it's uh it's an acquired taste but it's i'd recommend trying it if you're ever over in in the uk hit me up and we'll go and we'll go and get a beer um stay tuned very good <laughs> that was weird window we've been dancing thank you mike this has been uh yet another uh, um hey mike what you drinking by the way while you're doing that i had an email come through from our uh corporate spurs club <laughs> spurs are already selling the um the this year's third purple kids 25 percent off they're that bad they're trying to unload them already at, at, at a discount the season's not even over so just want to draw the attention to all of our worldwide listeners go get your discounted spurs kit while, while you still can yay all right hey boys i want to um i want to share my thoughts on the best team in baseball my chicago white Sox. if you don't mind i'm gonna if you'll Ooh. indulge me for for a couple moments um I think, you know, last year, Mike and I talked about this and I said that there was a chance that they could make some noise last year. And they, they did make noise, although they didn't, they didn't get deep enough into the playoffs. Um, the year before that they made noise, but they were way too young and they, they didn't know anything about winning and embarrass themselves um, in the playoffs. So interesting thing about my club, you know, I chose Spurs because Spurs reminded me of my White Sox. And the funny thing is they still do, man. So uh, White Sox finished up last season with two clear holes needed to get a good solid everyday second baseman and needed to get a good solid everyday right fielder. And um, they went into the off season saying, this is what we're going to be looking for. Now bear in mind uh, a lockout and you know, all that stuff kind of impacted things a bit, but they still have not managed to pin down a stud everyday second baseman and a stud right fielder. And uh, it just kind of sort of feels like the, the Spurs transfer business, right? Like, you know, we have these clear targets that we clearly need to fill and they just don't get filled. And we're supposed to be like, Oh, that's okay. Cause we filled other spots. And uh, it's a, it's a very similar feeling that said um, white Sox are a talented team. They got a, They've got a, an impressive young core that has been rock solid and getting better for a few years. My favorite player on the team is Tim Anderson, the shortstop. Um, he is a he is a grinder. He is a heck of a hitter. He may not be the best hitter in the game, but he's in the top five hitters in the game. And I just I love his swagger and and the way that he um, the way he just goes about his business. That's it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. A uh, guy named you know if you're not a baseball fan, you don't know this guy. If you are a baseball fan, you know who Lewis Robert is. Um, he is going to be a, a megastar. So I just want to encourage you to watch out for him. Number 88. Um, he's, he's outstanding place, center field, speed, bat, defense, got it all. Uh, gold glove of the rookie a couple of years ago and just the sky's the limit for him. Um, a, a bunch of other great, great, consistent starters. I'm a big fan of Yasmani Grandal. A lot of people don't like Yasmani Grandal, the catcher, but, but I really do like him because he gets on base and because of his consistency. And uh, I'm a fan of our pitching staff. You know, there's there's some some good solid guys in that pitching staff. There are there are concerns, I would say, and those concerns are they're about depth, right? Like I talked earlier about the longevity of the season, and that's what undoes every team. You know, Mike, you talked about if you stay healthy, you're going to be okay, and if you don't stay healthy, the key to that is having the right right players to plug in and I don't see a lot of amazing depth where where my socks are going to necessarily be able to plug in every hole that comes up as is often the case when you approach a new season there's always a bunch of young kids that you're thinking hey that might be the one or these guys might be the ones and and White Sox have a few guys 
like that. They got a guy named Andrew Vaughn, who's an outstanding hitter, could be a, a DH of the future, but you know, just got himself injured in a spring training game just the other day on a on a just a stupid move in right field because he's not a right fielder, but was playing right field. Um, got some other young guys, Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets, you know, who are really solid players, but um, whether they'll find an everyday spot is debatable and questionable. So for me, it's about uh, endurance. It's about longevity. It's about talent rising to the top and having years that are at their numbers or above their numbers. Uh, it's always about pitching consistency, right? Cause that makes or breaks you, especially as you go late in the season, if their pitchers can stay healthy and if they can get a good fifth starter to Adam's point earlier about uh, once you go from four to five guys in pitching rotation, that's really, that's really where it's at. So if I'm making predictions about, about my socks, um, I'm thinking somewhere between 90 and hundred wins. Um, I, I think they end up in the playoffs without, a whole lot of doubt. Uh, the question is, can they go further, right? They got swept two years ago. They they did a little bit better this past postseason. They have been learning how to win, but they need to grind it out and demonstrate that they can win and, and demonstrate that they can win games that they're not supposed to win. Uh, if that happens, a year from now, we could be talking about the world champs. If it doesn't happen, um, we're just talking about, you know, another season gone by where things didn't quite pan out the way uh, the way that I expected them to. So that's can it I, for my White Sox review. Go ahead, Mike. Can I? Can I? Can I? Uh, I, I want to talk about your socks a little bit. <clears throat> uh, your socks are not white. They're, your socks are black, um, but that's beside the point. Um, my favorite player on your socks, I like Grandal, um, but um, I think I would probably put him as uh, as uh, my my backup fantasy uh, in in that position. So, but the guy I love. On your team, Hold on. I want to. I want to try to think and make a prediction here. Um, he's not a former Red Sox player, is he? Just want to get. No, he's not. That one he's not. He's actually okay. very. He's actually a very young player. Uh, and and I think it holds the holds the key to your future. Uh, your future championship hopes. It's right, not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen this year. You're not gonna get 100 wins. Um, but I like Lucas. Is that a surprise? Giolito. Giolito. Yeah. Yeah, if 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 he pitches and to his talent ability and continues to improve, absolutely. And you follow him he up has, with Lance Lynn. He has you follow him up with Michael Kopech, former former Red Sox prospect, Michael Kopech. If he has uh, the season he should have, devastating. But there's there's ifs there, right? The, all those guys need to to get better. Um. So I mean, Kimbrel's there too, right? I mean, yep. You have former yeah. Red Sox there. Um. You can have Kimbrough if you want him. <laughs> I don't want him. Uh, we we had him for the one year. We're good. Um, I, I I I really I really like Lucas. Um, I think he has he has lapses uh, in 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 judgment with with the way he throws uh, a game. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, he has to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that, is to... that a White Sox joke? Throwing the game? Are you are you uh, hitting the left out there, Mike? What are you doing? I didn't do that on purpose, but now, now it is. All right. Thanks. <laughs> now it is on purpose. Um, no, no, no. I, actually, it was about, it was about the fact that um, he, I, I don't think he trusts his catchers. And that, that causes, that causes issues with him. I mean, he's got amazing stuff, but um, you know, he got into the playoffs and, and let that break him. Right. Um he got he gets broken by by big teams and in, in, in big situations. He got broken by the Red Sox uh twice last year. And um he got broken, he got really broken by the Yankees once. Um 
And, uh, you know, I, I think that, but he holds, I think he holds the key to your future. Um, any, any kind of championship hopes, honestly, your division, it's Minnesota's to lose. Now they spent a lot of money. Um, they're the, they're the, uh, they're the Chelsea of, uh, the central division. They spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money, and Don't they get a they Don't get a shit back. catcher. They get a shit catcher that the Yankees wanted to throw away for the past three seasons. Four Don't seasons. Believe that. Oh, it's the White Sox division this year. Yeah, it's the White Sox division to lose. Unfortunately, for this year at least. Yep. If Don't believe that. If there's I, the I think they might if if they don't play it right. I, I have a little theory, Mike, if, if you can indulge me, which is that you, yeah. you're just looking for a Lucas to, to fulfill the potential. So so you, you know that your boy's going to be playing for Spurs one day, right? Right, yeah. It's, it's, because, it's because of my son. Um, Spurs, Spurs, need to, uh, Spurs need to have a Lucas that will fulfill his potential. <laughs> Giolito kick a ball or <laughs> I, I don't know. He's like he's six seven. I don't know how good he would look he's on a the, large. He's a large. He'd be like the he'd be the Wout Weghorst of the of, of the Spurs squad. You know what I mean? Like that. I think yeah. is that how you say that guy's name? You know what I'm Something talking about. Like that. Yeah, that big unvaccinated Holt. German dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, hey boys, we are approaching the end. Uh, it's always good to end with some closing thoughts. So Adam. Want to let you start you got any closing thoughts on anything as we as we wrap this up uh yeah i feel like i was a little bit down on on my guardians earlier on um like i like i don't enjoy them like you know we, we could do all right we could but it's it's just baseball being back after the threat of the winter that's sorted finally um maybe condensed uh, spring training is going to be good give a little unpredictability at the start of the season, give a chance for some teams to get hot who nobody was expecting. That's exciting. Um, I like, uh, I wanted to ask you guys what kind of baseball players you like. Yeah, I, I sense, uh, Dave, you like, you said a, a grinding kind of player, the guy who figures it out game after game. Um, I, I can get on board with that. I kind of have to like starting pitchers because of who I support and that's <laughs> whilst I've been following them, I've been our strong point, you know, uh, Cliff Lee, CC Sabathia, Corey Kluber, it's, you know, there's not been a, not always been a whole lot to sing about otherwise, but um, be, Good. it just got to enjoy the Shane Bieber, right? Um, yeah. Anybody can appreciate that guy. Tristan McKenzie could be exciting. James Karinchak could be really exciting. Uh, so yeah, I am excited. I'm looking forward to it. And we got a full season coming up, so that's my closing thought. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah, and you know, Adam, your your earlier comments didn't come across negative at all. They just came across as guarding against disappointment, which marks you as a Spurs fan when it ultimately comes down to it. So, yeah, definitely <laughs> still over twenty sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in either spot. There you go. How about you, Mike? Closing thoughts, sir. Uh, first, I'm going to say that uh, Adam, you guys got you guys got Tito Francona. There's always a chance. There's always a chance with Tito. Tito's a player's manager. His, his players love him. Um, uh, as evidenced by uh, possible future Hall of Famer, Dustin Pedroia. Um, 
<laughs> oh, Dave just covered his mouth and he's laughing. Uh, I love, I loved, I love Dustin, man. I love number 15. Um, so um, just getting, getting, uh, getting on with Boston. Um, uh, the reason I'm, uh, the reason I'm a Boston fan um, comes down to my, <laughs> uh, uh, honestly enough, um, my uncle is a Red Sox fan. My whole, my whole family on my father's side were Red Sox fans, except for my father. Um, my father um, always tells me that when he was a kid, um, it was, you rooted for players. You didn't root for teams. You didn't have a team allegiance. He uh, got a Mickey Mantle baseball card. Uh, saw Mickey Mantle on TV. Saw Mickey Mantle in person. Fell in love with the with the with the New York Yankees. Everybody else, Red Sox fans. My grandmother, till the day she passed away, every single day would have those Red Sox on. You know, um, so every, they're all Red Sox fans. My uncle um, brought me home to my dad's chagrin. I mean, it's probably a little brother on brother violence. <laughs> to my dad's chagrin, brought me home a Red Sox helmet bank. It, it was a little tiny mini helmet. Like at the ballpark, you can get ice cream inside of a helmet. This was a little bank. You can put coins in. Yeah, you can get helmet. Yeah, you can get helmet ice cream. Um, we can discuss I, that. Tiny, hel- tiny helmet, Adam. Not tiny helmet. Normal size I, helmet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, it was a bank, same size. And I was very excited. I was very excited about it. And then I started... Uh, I, I watched the Yankees and Red Sox. We didn't get Red Sox games at our house. We got the Yankees games just because um, we had that one channel, that one station that showed the Yankees games. And uh, I saw the Red Sox one time and I saw Jim Rice hit a home run and I was like, oh my God. And then my, my uncle gave me the helmet. And then I was a Red Sox fan for life. And my dad said, and, I, and I'm sure this is the same thing that dad's, uh, Arsenal dad said about, their sons who became, you know, Spurs fans, you're going to be disappointed year after year after year after year. And it happened until 2004. Um, I have them on my wall right there. There's our 2004 world champions. Uh, my, I called my grandfather on the day it happened. It was a, just a wonderful, wonderful time. And, um, I, I got to say like every single time that the, that the Red Sox win the world series since 2004, it's been like the first time that they've won the world series since I've been alive. Every single team, like last year's team, I, I, I swear to God was going to win. They were so wonderful to watch. They were so exciting. They're so happy. They were such a, like a cool crew. Um, gonna miss Kyle Schwarber but I think that this year's Red Sox team um they have crafty veterans I might be reaching a little bit here with Rich Hill being 332 years old um at the back of our rotation but they have a lot of crafty veterans but they have a lot of young talent coming up too Jonathan Arauz is probably one of my favorite players that's coming up um out of the minors um and he's not, he's not going to be one of those guys who's going to hit 300, 400, 300 or, you know, hit 30 home runs or, you know, hit a hundred uh, RBIs, but you're going to, I think that the Red Sox um, future is bright. 
And I think that this year it's it, the AL East um, every single year is going to, is the toughest division in baseball. Uh, but this year there are four teams that can make the playoffs. Respectfully, Dave, if Chicago doesn't win the central, they're not making the playoffs. Um, it's just not going to happen because the wild card is coming from the AL East, maybe two. Such an East Coast fan, Mike. Such an East Coast fan. Adam, did you hear what he did there? Toronto, Toronto is going to be really good. Did you hear what he did there, Adam? Like, I, I'm, I'm guessing you caught this. I hate. I, I, hate about, the Yankees, he, I hope the Yankees. I, I hope every single one of the Yankees on their first at bat of the season, round first base and break their leg. Every single one of them. I hate the know, Yankees. I hate the Yankees as much as a lifelong Spurs fan born into Spursdom hates Arsenal. He's trying to stop Arsenal, here, Adam. But I hate he, the Yankees. He knows where I'm going here. He's, he's, he's trying to throw up the block. I'm trying to, delay, I'm trying to delay it. I'm trying to, here's, here's, here's where I'm going. Mike's talking about the 2004 team, and then I was going to point out to him that that team got swept by a certain team from Chicago the next season in the playoffs. But then he went so far as to say, he went so far as to say, but every time they've won the World Series since then, it's been an amazing experience. Like he just gave us the double bird, just, you know, like, hey, losers, my team wins the world series so much that it's the regular entitlement at this point in time. Um, the rest of you suckers can just suck it. That's basically what I heard. Adam, did I'm gonna, you, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you for Adam's, for Adam's pleasure here, we would not have won the world series in 2004 if they didn't give us their best player ever, which is Manny Ramirez. Oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Manny being Manny. But I, you know, I'm. I, I just like. I'll let you go with your final thoughts, David, because uh, I, I, I said my piece. I rambled on for too long, so you waited a long time for that World Series. No, we did. Eighty six. You, ra- you ramble away. <laughs> How many years is it since forty eight? I don't know. <laughs> a few. A few. Hey, um, my final thoughts are: this is fun. As much as we love talking about about football it, it's fun to talk about something else that we love and adam i'm really grateful you you joined us for this it's uh what'll be even more fun is to have you on sometime to talk spurs because uh we can bring steve into the mix and uh he is smarter than all of us so we just like to let him go and, and see where he see where he takes things but um looking forward to baseball season ahead looking forward to i think april 7th is the first day that official games begin and looking forward to that rhythm mike and i have talked about trying to figure out how to actually catch games live in person and hope that the world allows for that and um, that that'll all work out. And Adam has promised if you end up in in this uh, corner of the world, we're going to figure out how to catch some of the teams that we love and make all that happen. So it's been grateful to have you, or it's been great to have you here and we're grateful to have you. Thanks for doing it, man. You're right. Thanks for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And can I just say one last thing? If you're in the UK and you're interested in baseball, yeah. go and find your local team, get playing. I'm 38 <clears throat> something and uh, it's not too late to start playing. Um, big shout out to the Halton Tugens, part of the Liverpool Trojans franchise. That's who I've joined the last couple of years. Go out and play some baseball. It's fun. Very nice. That's, that's great to hear. Fantastic. All right. With that, we are Wicked Spursy. 
Uh, Mike walked away, but he would normally do a quiz, 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 quiz type of thing. He would tell you to be safe. Steve would tell you, don't be an asshole. And uh, Adam, you got any closing final word before we stop recording? Come on, you fucking Spurs. Let's go, Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs>